Well, good morning, Oakwood, and welcome to summer. You know, I know summer doesn't officially start till June 21st, and uh, this June 21st will be my 20th anniversary to my love life, Amy, so I'm excited about that. But I always feel like summer starts right after Memorial Day. It seems like the heat comes and uh, we start getting to do some activities maybe we didn't get to do before. Maybe some of the swimming pools are open. Maybe we're getting together with family and friends. And so uh, just a great time to, uh, to get into a different phase of life and get into a different schedule. Uh, last, last year, we did a sermon series uh, called The ABCs of Financial Freedom. And the intent was to teach biblical practical principles that would bless our families here at Oakwood, but would also teach us to honor God and put the priority on God in the area of our finances. And during that series, we handed out a book called The ABCs of Financial Freedom to Every Family. And if you weren't a part of that and you're like, hey, I wasn't here in the fall or I'm new to Oakwood, uh, we are offering those books again during this series. And so if you're interested in one of those books, just walk right out of the service um, right after it ends and walk right out there to the lobby. They'll give you one of those books. They're free. Uh, we've already purchased them. You don't need to pay us for them. Uh, but we just want everybody to get on the same page and be going the same direction in this area of finances. We are doing a series for the next few weeks here called On the Road Again. Uh, if you were here at the very beginning of the service and you heard the, uh, the remake of Willie Nelson's song, uh, that, that's what that was about, was we're on the road again to financial freedom. Uh, last fall when we did this, the, the, the uh, response was tremendous. We actually saw growing attendances. Uh, there was a keen interest and a strong commitment from the church to submit to the counsel of the Word of God in this area of finances. And since then, uh, some of us, we made those commitments in that series, and until now, some of us have done really, really well. Some of us might find ourselves struggling a little bit. Uh, we made this commitment, but we're not following through on it. Maybe we're, we're waning in, in whether we're really going to trust God in this area. And so I'm hoping that this uh, series will encourage you in, in all of those things. You see, what God wants for us is true stability and freedom in the area of finances. God does not want you to sit here and worry about money. God doesn't want you to sit here and stress out. He doesn't want you to sit here and consume your mind with questions and thinking about money all the time. But if some of us are honest, that's what we do. If we were to look back at this past week, the biggest stressor in our life was money and finances. In fact, that affected many decisions that we made. No, God wants us to save and to give and to spend in a way that honors him and that always keeps the end in mind. So to kick off the summer, we're going to get back on the road again. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 16. Luke's Gospel chapter 16. If you uh, didn't bring your Bible, you want to just grab that one in front of you, turn it to page 875. Of course, you can always get the notes in the app. Uh, the, the Oakwood app, just, just search for Oakwood Enid, you can download that, and the sermon notes are right in there. If you just go to connect, and then it has sermon notes, you can uh, connect to the sermon notes and all the scripture passages right there. That's a fun way to follow along. I actually got to sit in a service a couple weeks ago and, uh, when Mark was preaching, and I actually followed along in the app, and I just thought that was, that was really cool. I really appreciated that. Luke chapter 16, just to give you, uh, we're just going to look at one verse this morning. It's just uh, rich in its fullness of meaning um, in verse 13. But just to give you a little bit of background, Jesus has been teaching here, and he's just uh, wrapping up a teaching called the parable of the dishonest 
manager. Let me just summarize what's happening here, okay? Jesus has been, has been, like I said, been teaching for a while. He gets on this area of money and management of money. And what's happened is this guy was a manager for an owner. And he was going to be fired. And he found out because of some of the decisions he made, he was going to be fired. He's going to be let go of, from his position. So it was really, really important um, that, that he provide for himself, right? Because he's going to immediately start thinking about himself and, oh, I've got to provide for myself. Oh, I've got to worry about this. And so what he did is something that may have got him in trouble in the first place is he started going to all the people that owed his, his manager money and he, he started lowering what they owed. He's like, here, take your bill. And what he was trying to do through this is he was trying to make friends so that when he got cut loose from the job, those people might still like him and they might be able to give him a job. And it was just an underhanded and a crooked way to manage money and to manage resources and to work a position and work a job. And you get to the end of this, which is our scripture today in Luke's gospel, chapter 16, verse 13. And it's just amazing what Jesus says here because it's so easy to understand, but it's so profound. And if we learn this and we can apply this to our lives, I think it will really make a difference. Luke 16, beginning with verse 13, it says this. It says, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and then he'll despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is one of those passages that I think if you just let this verse kind of soak in for a minute, there's so much to be considered here. One of the first things when I read this and began studying it was why does Jesus end verse 13 with that last sentence, you cannot serve both God and money? But why didn't he say you cannot serve both God and Satan? You cannot serve both God and, and the devil. You cannot serve both God and the world. You cannot serve both God and yourself. I mean, why did he choose money in particular? Well, part of it was because you know, the passage before was talking about the dishonest manager. But I think in an even deeper level than that, we need to understand what he's saying at the very beginning of verse 13. No one can serve two masters. Jesus lays it out as plain as day here. He says that we must choose. We must choose to either serve him or to serve the world. We cannot have it both ways. We choose our master, and when we choose our master, we choose their agenda, and they become the priority in our life. You may say, why? Well, it's because a divided interest neutralizes priority. A divided interest will neutralize priority. You, you think about this in, in terms of growth, whether it be personal growth or, or maybe you own a company and you're wanting growth within your company. If you have a divided interest, it's hard to focus and it will neutralize the priority of what you're trying to accomplish. Now, this could be reaching your personal potential. This could be reaching the potential. Maybe, maybe you're doing a ministry. Maybe you're, you're serving somewhere. It'll even diminish impact. It affects everything. Divided interest neutralizes priority. And when you neutralize the priority in your life, sometimes we're not good at a lot of things instead of being really good at one thing. It's something that I've learned also about the term compromise through the years. Compromise, I've learned, just leaves everyone equally disappointed. That's what compromise does. And sometimes we cannot neutralize the priority. We need to stay on the priority 
no matter what. We don't need to compromise. Jesus said some incredible things in Scripture about handling money and handling possessions. What's interesting is that he said more about money in Scripture than he said about heaven and hell. And there are actually more verses about money in the Bible than there are about prayer. And he wants us to have true freedom here. He doesn't want us to be stressed. He doesn't want us to be consumed with money. And that's why he describes it in such a strong way here in our scripture today. Well, what I want to share with you this morning is I just want to give you five practical things that we need to understand. Because as we're on the road again to financial freedom, there's some road rules. And there's really five of them. And I think this is a good baseline to understanding where we're going to go in this series, but also what God wants in your life. And the first one is this. The first one of the road rules is this. God owns the road and everything on it. I know that sounds really simple, but it's very profound because God owns the road and everything on it. You think you own some things, you actually do not own anything. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, the earth is the Lord's, not yours. And everything in it is his, not yours. The world and all who live in it are the Lord's. You know, this is the cornerstone of belief. This is what I would call a, a foundational truth to the faith in God and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God holds the title to every country, to every ocean, to every mountain, to every river, to every forest, to every lake, and all of life, including every man and woman, every boy and girl. God holds, holds the title to it all because he owns everything. He owns the road and everything on it. Tony Evans said it this way. He said, any discussion of economics that does not include God is a travesty because he is the author of all wealth. God owns it all. Now, communism would teach you that the government owns everything. Capitalism would teach you that the individual owns everything. But Christianity, on the other hand, would teach you that God owns everything. And if you truly believe this, then it should influence your view of every tangible thing you have in your life. Every material possession, God owns it. God owns the road and everything on the road. And we must yield to this reality of God's ultimate ownership of it all. Uh, you guys have seen a yield sign before, and, and I've got one up here for you just to, to look at on the screen. You know, th this is just a yield sign. But what does it really mean? If you, if you boil it all down, all the rules of the road, it really means that the other person is supposed to go first. If you, if you think about that, it should make sense. If you really want to be safe at a yield side, just let the other person go first. Because if you insist on not yielding to the other, it's just a matter of time before you wind up wrecking your life. It's just a matter of time before you wind up wrecking your car. But in the area of finances, you could wreck your family, and you could wreck your future. Because we're to yield to the Lord in his ways. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 says it this way. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Not the last, not the leftovers, not let me see what I have left, but with the first fruits of all your crops. It says, then, and only then, your barns will be filled to overflowing. Jesus said it this way. When he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said it this way. He said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things, all of these physical, material, tangible things will be added to you 
as well. It just doesn't work to have in God we trust engraved on our money, but we have in myself I trust engraved on our hearts. I think it would serve us well to remember that God owns the road and everything on the road is his. The second rule of the road is that God makes the rules. God makes the rules of the road. Deuteronomy 18, or Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 says it this way. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms this covenant which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. Because of his ownership of everything, he alone makes the rules of how it all works and how it is all going to work out in the end. You see, he is in charge and we are not. We call this the sovereignty of God because he is over all, works in all, and through all things. In Luke's gospel, chapter 12, Jesus describes the story of the rich fool. The deal with the rich fool is that he thought that he was in charge. He thought he was the one that makes the rules for the road of life. He lived out his life without any regard for God. His life purpose was a a money-making quest for selfishness, and he did pretty good at it. Until right in the middle of his biggest construction and investment project ever, guess what happened? He died. Surprise! (laughs) Reminder, God's in charge, and he makes the rules for the road. The third thing I want us to understand this morning is that God's word contains all the road rules you need to know. God's word contains all the road rules that you need to know. In John's gospel, chapter 6, verse 68, it was Peter that said to the Lord, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Now, earlier in that chapter, Jesus had just laid out the cost of discipleship, the cost of following him. And the crowd had thinned. In fact, most of that crowd that was following Jesus had walked away from it. Jesus then turned to his disciples. They were the only ones left. And he asked them, are you also going to go away? And that's when Peter answered with this verse, Lord, to whom shall we go? Because you have the words of eternal life. You see, if God's word is the source of truth, if it's the source of personal growth, if it's the source of true happiness and the source of victory and hope that is supposed to be in our lives, then why do we look to other things first? We need to be looking into the word of God. If you came to me and you asked, For help with your finances, I would refer to Scripture over and over and over again because God tells us how to manage our money in such a way that it will provide well for us and that we would honor Him in it. But we settle for less. We settle for the world's wisdom. We settle for the world's standards and the world's ethics. It is a foolish thing to deliberately leave the guidelines from God's word out and to just go through life, go on our journey, and do things our own way, especially in this area of finances. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says this, His divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us into His own glory and goodness. So we need to understand this morning, okay? First thing is God owns the road. He makes the rules for the road, and his word contains all of the road rules that we need to hear. The fourth thing this morning that we need to understand is that God has made us managers of the road, not owners. God has made us the managers of the road, not the owners. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Now, in context of that verse in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, the Apostle Paul is actually referring to believers being entrusted with the secret things of God, the secret truths about God. But he cites a broader spiritual principle in this verse, which certainly applies to the area of the management of God's resources. And many people have called this the stewardship principle. The stewardship principle says that God owns it all, and we have everything that we're given, we are to be managers of it that glorify Him. So when it comes to saying that I'm going to trust God in managing my resources, it's actually I'm going to trust God in managing the resources that He has given me, His resources. The resources you have in your life come from the Heavenly Father, and we ought to have some kind of a conscience about what we do with it. The Bible gives us the best counsel in these three areas of finance, in the giving and the saving and the spending. I think sometimes it would serve us well to really take a look and see what God teaches us. Do we give to God sparingly? Do we spend impulsively? Do we go into debt excessively? We ought to feel very unsettled if we don't save, if we don't spend, and if we don't give in a way that honors God. How many conscious about our financial management is a really, really good thing? It's more likely that we will be honorable stewards if we do. Well, there's one more road rule I want to share with you this morning. And the fifth one is that God expects us to be generous on the road. God expects us to be generous on the road. You see, in both the Old and the New Testaments, it is clear that God gives us a standard for which we can measure our generosity. We have called this the tithe. That's the way we translate it into English is the tithe. And that word really means 10%. In Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, it says this, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, it belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. You see, the tithe is a measurable, tangible expression of the fact that we trust and revere God and His kingdom above everything else in our life. I suppose some of us may be tempted to say, well, money is tied, and I have these bills to pay, and if I'm going to shortchange some area of my life, I'm going to shortchange the Lord, even though He's the one that's provided it all for me. But I want you to think about it. God really has made made this very easy to obey. He's made it really easy to obey Him. If you think about it, 10% is not very much. Think about it this way. If a candidate that was running for a public office only got 10% of the vote, well, he would surely lose the election because 10% is just not that much. If you were a baseball player in the major leagues, and let's say you hit 10%, you, you got to hit 10% of the time, well, you would be cut from the roster because 10% just simply isn't that much. Maybe, maybe consider it this way. If you were a business partner with someone who got, they got 90% of the profit of the company and you only got 10%, well, you'd say, well, that wasn't much of a partnership, is it? You see, God is our senior partner. He owns it all, and yet he only asks that we give 10% return on investment. And it's to be an expression of our faith in him that not only are we going to trust him with our salvation, we're going to trust him to provide 
everything that we need. Even though it all belongs to him, he gives us this freedom to choose. He gives us this freedom to make a choice for ourselves, just like he did with our salvation. He's not going to force it upon us. He's not going to force his love upon us. He's not going to force his provision upon us. He leaves it up to us. We can choose selfishness, or we can choose the way of the Lord. You know, summer is not my favorite time of the year. But I do have to say I enjoy the difference. I enjoy the, the, the schedule change. Uh, we, Amy and I, we were going really hard at it with school schedule and all that. And all that's really changed uh, since school got out. We, we, we find that, you know, uh, you just feel like you have a few more hours in your week, which is really, really nice. It's a good time to get caught up and stuff. Well, I kicked off the summer. I did something really fun yesterday. I was actually in a pickleball tournament. Does anybody in here know what pickleball is? If you know what pickleball is, all right, a handful of you. If you don't know what pickleball is, you can look it up online and lots of YouTube videos about it and how to play and all that stuff. We actually have pickleball available over here at the Oak. Uh, Max Henderson, who's in our first service, uh, Calvert Martin, I think he's in the booth today. Uh, those guys have actually played pickleball uh, with some of us. It's really, really fun. It's something anybody can play. Well, yesterday in the tournament, um, I was a partner with Craig Bruin, another minister here in town. Uh, we partnered up together. It was out at Oakwood Country Club in their indoor tennis facility. And uh, it was through the YMCA. And uh, we just, you know, we're just going to try it. Just have some fun together. We'll go play. And I'll tell you what, we got... We got whooped yesterday. Okay, now, we played six games, and we won two of them. Uh, both scores of those games were 11 to 10 and 11 to 10, so we won by one point. Uh, but, but uh, you know, just the fact that we won was just such a huge accomplishment for us. But it was amazing because we were going up against guys that were 60, 65, 70, 75 years old, and they, and they were beating us. Okay? Now, that's a little frustrating at 41 years old, and I think Craig's only like maybe 38, 39 years old. I mean, that's really frustrating. Guys around 40 getting beat, and I mean getting beat by guys that are like 65, 70 years old. But, but you learn a lot about that, you know. And, and yesterday, between the games that we were playing, there was a lot of time where you'd sit, you know, waiting on your next game. I'd be in, in, in an hour for the tournament. And so you talk to people, and I, I ended up sitting next to this guy and talking to him for a while. He was from Oklahoma City. He came up just for the pickleball tournament. I'm sitting there talking to him, and he starts talking about life and what do you do for a living. And I told him I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor at a church, and he asked me a few questions. I said, what do you do for a living? He's like, well, I don't really work anymore. And I was like, oh, that's, that's awesome to not work anymore. I was like, you got a lot of free time. Oh, yeah, and I got, you know, I got a house in Rio Dos in New Mexico, and I got this, and I drive, drive this kind of car, and I got to go over here, and I got another home in California, and then I, you know, I had three businesses, I managed three businesses, I sold three businesses, and I went this, and I, you know, and it was like, wow, you know, and, you know, part of me is like, I just want to ask him, how did you do all that? I mean, did you inherit some money, and you put it to good use, where you just, did you just make some great business decisions, you know, and. But he goes on and he talks about all the stuff and the trips and the vacation and where he's going to go play pickleball tournaments all over the country and, and all of this stuff. And it, it, it just, it, I got to the end of the conversation with him and it just left me with this feeling of emptiness for him. Because that is like all that he lived for. And it reminded me of this, this scripture that no one can serve two masters. That you're either going to love one and hate the other, or you're going to you know, serve one, despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot have two pursuits in your life. That you're going to pursue the things of God, 
and then also chase after all the things this world has to offer. Now, I'm not condemning anybody that has two or three houses or, or, or nice cars or anything like that. But hear me, in this talk of everything that mattered to him, it was all wrapped up in stuff. And I would say that that was like one of the highest things he valued in his life was stuff. Because that's all he could talk about. Now, I, I don't want to paint a picture. He wasn't selfish. I didn't not enjoy talking to him. He, he wasn't one of those guys, you know, I own the Audubon and, you know, German car. And, and yeah. He wasn't one of those guys who was real cocky. He's a super nice guy. I just think that he maybe got caught up at some point and, and thought maybe even that he might be serving two masters. But there's really only one that owns him right now. And that he's consumed with. You know, it's one of those things you, you learn a lot about it. You learn where it comes from. And we have to remember who we are. I love the way David says it in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse, four, verse 14. This is King David. This is how he says it. He says, but who am I and who are my people, talking about the nation of Israel, who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this, as they were giving gifts to, to build the, the, the temple and stuff. And he says, everything comes from you. And we have given only what comes from your hand. It's like he's crying out here and saying, you know what, I can't outgive out you, God, because everything I have comes from you. That we should be able to give as generously as this, because God, everything we give you came, it came from you anyway. But I want to remind you, what did Jesus say? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You know, when Jesus said that, I think he understood that a divided interest will neutralize priority. Because no person can truly say, I'm totally 100% dedicated to two. This is a lordship issue. This is a question of the ultimate authority in our lives. And I ask you this morning to consider, if we looked at your life, who do you serve? Whether you're talking about a road to financial freedom or you're talking about the road to heaven, there's really only one way. It's God's way. So this morning, there's a fork in the road before you, and you have a decision to make. Is he making the rules, or am I going to continue to do so? Is it going to be my way, and I'm going to live for me and selfishness and all pursuit of all the worldly things, or am I going to live God's way and submit to his authority in my life? You see, we make the call initially to give our lives to Christ to make him Savior and Lord over us, but we also make a decision daily to walk in that truth. And I just wonder this morning, is, is there one here this morning that needs to make that lordship decision? Is there someone here this morning and you're sitting here right now and you're really contemplating, who, who's leading my life? 
And you realize, man, you know, I made some mistakes that I wonder if God would have had me do something different there. I'm in these circumstances now, and I wonder if I'd have done things closer to the word, if I'd read more scripture and knew more what God desired. You know, I wonder if I would have had wisdom from the Lord. Is there someone here this morning that needs to repent of going down a road that was your own way? And you need to recommit yourself to going God's way. You see, it never ceases to amaze me what the Lord can do. At the end of first service this morning, one of our decision guides caught me and wanted me to go to the decision room. And just wanted me to talk to someone. And I talked to this gentleman, and uh, he was contemplating taking his life. Very, very serious. And we got to talk to him and pray with him. And it's amazing how really a sermon about finances can really bring up a question about lordship. But Jesus knew what he was talking about. And he's standing, he's speaking to you this morning, and he's saying, you cannot serve both. You will have to choose. And that divided interest will neutralize the priority of your life, and you'll never be able to stay focused. And I want you to know, whatever God's laying on your heart right now, I don't know what's going on in your life. Maybe it's a marriage issue. Maybe it's a lordship issue. Maybe you've just been running away from God, but we have this decision room over here. And it's a safe place to talk to someone who loves Jesus about whatever's going on in your life, to get prayer. And we invite you to come this morning as we come to this time of commitment when we, we sing this song together. Would you please pray with me? Lord God, I just thank you.